Welcome to season three of the Change the World podcast. I'm your host, Sivya Kohn. As CEO of 14 Minds, a marketing agency that works exclusively with Jewish nonprofits, I am a firsthand witness to the incredible physical, spiritual, and emotional services these organizations provide to our community. However, I also see the many challenges they face along the way. This season, I'll be speaking to incredible nonprofit leaders who haven't let any obstacles get in the way of their mission to change the world. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. I am privileged to be sitting here with two very, very special individuals, Mr. Ellie Goldbaum, Mr. Martin Friedlander, who together are the co-founders of the Ashar Coalition. I'm really excited. This is going to be a really important topic we're going to address today. So I'm going to let the two of you um, introduce yourselves. Can you give us a little bit of information about both of your backgrounds? I'm Martin Friedlander. I am a practicing matrimonial lawyer for over 30 years. I am a member of the American Academy of Matrimonial Attorneys and appear both in the secular courts as well as the best. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us again. I appreciate to give us the opportunity to give our message out to the community. My name is Ellie Goldblum. I work in the healthcare world and do a lot of work in the healthcare industry. I met Martin a number of years back and we worked together on creating the Yashar Initiative that we'd like to speak to you about. Great. So with that, can you tell me about what it is and, and how it got started, how you both got involved? Let's, let's start from there. Okay. Well, a number of years ago, I was in court. I say this story a lot. Uh, I was in court on the case, uh, Orthodox case. We were working on an arbitration agreement. The people wanted to go to Besden. And I basically told the court that I needed about a week or two to finish the arbitration agreement if it's signed, it'll be, it won't be here. And if not, we'll be ready to proceed. When I was, we walked out, the law secretary came over to me and said, are you sending it to the cattle prods? And when I heard that, I saw that that was the impression that the courts were having. Wow. I had a discussion with Professor Aaron Tversky, and he said, it's time that, for lack of a better word, the right-wing community has a prenuptial that would be acceptable to them so that we could try to have an alternative forum for conflict. And then we started working. I met Ellie and uh, we put together quite an extensive team, not only of attorneys, but of mental health professionals who deal with our community. And we sat down and we, we were trying to create something to deal with all the problems and all the issues that people had against the Bate Dinam, and obviously something that would be halakhically valid by the Rabbanim that the community would look after. And it was our hope to create a situation where people would have what we termed the healthy conflict resolution forum. There are different, different points, which we'll go through, I guess, during our discussion, that pushes towards that in regard to the prenuptial that we have not only binds the parties, but it also binds the Besden. There's a procedure they must follow that we put a lot of effort and time in creating. So let's just back up a tiny bit for somebody who may be listening who is fortunate to, I guess, to not know what kind of issues and conflicts we're talking about. Like what, what would precipitate needing this kind of agreement? Well, most of the cases today are something where it's a Zab law, 
which was a blood process means that each party picks a judge and the two together. So basically now you have people who are representing parties for lack of a better term. Ours doesn't allow that. It calls for a standing Besden that's independent that you select. And obviously later on, we'll go into how that works in a marriage 20, 30, 40 years down the road. It requires an appearance within two weeks of anybody asking, which in essence will help with the possibility of allowing shalom bias to happen before the parties are so entrenched in the conflict that that's not a feasible option anymore. If I could jump in for a second and give my input, and again, I think it's important to understand my perspective is an absolute, a total opposite perspective of Martin's, which is the reason that we work well together. I got involved with Martin and Yashar as a family member of mine, went through a divorce, and I wasn't looking to be right over here. I was trying to figure out this, and I really believe there had to have been a better way to go through the divorce. I've been involved as of many, many years ago, and I've been involved with many, many cases, as may well talk about. I do a lot of divorce mediation, et cetera. And I see the same issues coming up time and time again. Most people start out stating to me, I want to do this, Bishalom. You know, there is a, there is a, a conflict. It could be a shalom bias thing. We are not looking to break marriages. On the contrary, uh, one of the Goodell that we worked with was Hill David. The first time I brought him the agreement, he stated to me, I believe we will save marriages by having a healthy way, as Martin was alluding to before, to proceed when there is a marital conflict. And I think that talks directly to your question. Most people in the community, thankfully, do not know this, do not understand this, and hopefully never should understand something like this. As I always say, it's a marriage insurance policy similar to your life insurance policy. I don't want to use my life insurance. I don't want to use my marriage insurance, but if God forbid I need it, it is a lifesaver. And anyone who's gone through a divorce could, will tell you that. So this is just a healthy conflict resolution. As I was saying, we do a lot of mediation. In the mediation world, by the time most of the cases come to me, they are already what I call a forest fire. It is very difficult to put out a forest fire. You could put out a small fire and move forward. So our first goal here is, as Martin was stating, to bring about or see is there potential to figure out a way that we can keep this couple together and do this in a healthy manner before too many people on the outside get involved because you didn't have a agreed upon place to deal with the conflict. And when people get involved, which is what I learned the hard way, then you end up not in a healthy place. And all of a sudden, before you turn around, those two people who said, we're going to do this, Bishalom, we are now in a, in, a, in a place of a forest fire that takes many, many months, if not longer, to get people back down to a place that we could resolve the issue. So can you walk me through a little bit about how you two ended up partnering up? Well, Martin is a lawyer. I bumped into him. He wasn't my attorney uh, for the family uh, issue, but we bumped into each other at that point. He was helpful to me. And I spoke to him at length about it and said, you know, there's got to be a better way to deal with this. And he said, it's funny you say that because as he, he alluded to his conversations with Robert Torsky and others saying, I want to work with that. And I guess uh, we put our two brains together and thankfully came up with what we have. And when was that? How many years ago? Well, it's over 10 years. Over yeah, 10 yes. years, wow. Yeah, but it was a long process. Yeah, took a number of years drafting. 
So walk me through that. What, like, what did the organization look like when it first started and what does it look like now? Well, in the loaded beginning, question. I can see on your faces, loaded no, question, right? Yeah, I'll let Mon start and I'll, I'll you know, continue. In the beginning, we, we really reached out in the beginning stages and we must have had, Ellie, about 10 mental health professionals. Something we like had, that, yeah. We had Orthodox met Jewish mental health professionals. I had an attorney from Australia that I've gone into working with us. We had some, even some British who had also issues with this and, and people who were dealing with the community. And we wanted to hear from them because they're the go-to. When people were coming home after whether it was a session in court or a session in Besden, those were the people they were complaining to. And, and, and we sort of were very cognizant of keeping it gender neutral because- I'm just well, going to jump in for one second, if I may, mm-hmm. and add in that these people that were working are really high-priced mental health professionals, regular professional attorneys, business people. Nobody was receiving any compensation financially to be wow. involved. And these people spent many, many, many hours using their experience of the pain that families go through for divorce and try to minimize that pain. And I think that's really the key of our organization. That's very special. And so once we had the input and the drafting and I had other attorneys backing and looking it over to make sure the goal was two prompt. It should be a legal ag- agreement and it should be a halachic valid. Once we felt comfortable with the draft, which, which was, again, quite an extensive work product, then we started reaching out to the Rabbanim. Ellie mentioned Rabbi David. We both went and flew to Toronto to Shlomo Miller and we spent hours at his living room table going over each word so that somebody of his statue would sign on and say, this is a halachically valid agreement, which we have a number of Rabbanim I'm sure I'll tell. So once we had that, we knew we had the basis of an agreement that can be done. I mean, obviously we had pushback. We expected to have pushback. It's, it's a very new concept in our community to be used. So, and then we have, we have the people who say, we don't have that much, many people going through divorce in the community, which again is something we were, you know, we had to tackle or something brand new. We, we never did it. The old generation never did it. They never signed something. How come you want us to sign something? So these were some of the issues that we had to address while we were getting it together and getting it approved. I'll jump in on what Martin was saying, you know, so just to, to walk you through the process as you asked us to. So the work with Rabbi Schleimer Miller was a, a process of about three years, believe it or not. He's an extremely busy Pisic. He's considered to be foremost Pisic of, of, in America, even though he's in Toronto. He's a, he's a Pisic in Lakewood. And we worked with him, to me personally, as a halachic Jew. I found it fascinating to work with him and actually see his notes on how each word potentially affects the agreement halachically and why it may or may not be acceptable. And this was a process that took about three years. When we finally finished that three-year process, I said, okay, now I'd like to have your Askama on the process. And he turns to me and says, Askama, we need other Abonim aboard. So I said to him, well, who would you like us to go to? He says, well, let's go to Rebhul David. 
Bill David is someone who's not known to give many haskamas. But to, to my surprise, I know Bill David for many, many years, but even so, he not only gave us haskama, he really helped us out pushing the agenda of understanding the need for this agreement, working with other Rabbanim uh, at his dining room table together with Shlomo Miller on the phone uh, to try to come up with the proper wording. When we finally came up with wording that everyone was comfortable with, and it was a lengthy process beyond those three years. So we got the Askama initially from Shlomo Miller. Phil David signed this Askama. He actually uh, wrote in the Askama that he believes it's something that is a Tayelas Gedola, which means a tremendous need for it and value. We then went to a Forsheimer in Lakewood. He's also extremely, very, very, very busy Paisic. And, and we got a few minutes with him. And it was amazing how he took it as his own personal project. He told me that he feels Lakewood needs us very desperately overall. At the point that he was going to give us Ascoma, he called me up. He said, I'm ready to sign Ascoma. He gave me that Ascoma overnight, which was something that people who know him say they were shocked how quick he did it, because he really felt it was a, an important need. After that, they told me, well, we should go to Eretz Yisrael. So I approached Rabbi David, I said, which place in Eretz Yisrael should we go to? And he said, well, Rosh has a problem with some of the other agreements, so why don't we go to Rosh We're looking for something that is acceptable across the board, and he's known as pretty, as being a pretty, uh, as being foremost place of our generation, but also someone who is a little, uh, Difficult in the sense that he's a little more machwer in his halacha psak. So I took the challenge and I went to Shtenbuch and thankfully he reads English as someone who's come from England. He went through that agreement. He did not give us an easy time. I will tell you that. And actually at one point there was a phone call between, he was he himself couldn't speak on the phone. So he had his son speak on his behalf, but uh, I wanted to make sure the phone call happened. So I made them call on my phone. My person went to Rabbi David with my phone and there was a conversation with the th between the two of them. And when they were fine with the wording and the changing that they wanted, he, he actually gave us his Askama as well and wrote a beautiful Askama. After that, we got the Askama from Nech Isaac Olbam in Queens, who is also a foremost Paisic and understands this, these issues very much. And finally, in the Sephardi world, we got the Askama from Chacham Hachuel, who's also uh, known, he has a tremendous business in the, in the, in the Sephardi world and also no easy uh, Haskoma. So, you know, we, we've had a lot of tremendous milestones, and just I'll talk about it afterwards. All those Haskomas are available on our website. To anyone who wants to download them, they could see them. How many years was this whole process? Uh, well, from start to finish, it was uh, close to, I would say, seven years or so. Wow. Before we got the final Haskomas, you know, there was a lot of, there were a lot, you have to understand, to get the, the group of people around the table, to make a meeting with all these people, takes a lot of time. It doesn't doesn't just happen. To get to Rabbanim, to put aside their other issues and say, you know, I'm going to focus on agreement and understand it and to deal with the implications, as Martin said before, it's a hot topic for a lack of a better word. They were very careful what they were ready to sign on to and they wanted to make sure that document was, you know, every I was dotted, every T was crossed and it was not an easy process. Off topic, I guess, but at seven years is a very symbolic number, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Very um, coincidental, maybe, maybe not. A shita of years, yeah. So I guess walk me through from that point on. You have the Haskamas. What was the big next step? Well, we had to get it out there. I mean, I just to take one point on the side, you know, the courts also wanted this in essence because a lot of the cases, you know, are dealing with minutia of religious observance 
where people are arguing in, in secular courts about different uh, customs and, and I want the child like, and the judges at some point have said, like, why don't you go to your own, you know, for these issues, go to your own. Obviously, they can't force it. And New York and New Jersey have, a, the, you know, a difference. New Jersey could be done, custody can be done in a best. In New York, it cannot. And therefore, especially now, such a big portion of the cases have to deal with one parent not being religious anymore. And that's part of the, you know, part of our prenuptial says, you can't determine custody at the beginning before children are alive, but you could describe how your house should be run or how children would be. And that we also put a lot of time in, in regard to having provisions. So that would be, you know, issues that were in there, at least so that the court could see that if it goes there. And that was also an issue that if we could get people to this forum and their life changes they would come there. And, and again, certain jurisdictions, you have to go there. If you signed it in New York, it, it's more monetary, but in New Jersey, it's custody as well. And, and there, there was a very strong point on it. And it gets stronger as each year goes by about the amount of cases this, this really affects. So what have the results been so far? What have you, have you, are you focusing on getting people to sign it very early on? Is that the, the mission here? I think right now, there's no question about it. We'd love everyone to sign their agreement that I, I, th I really want to make this clear. You know, the RCA has an agreement for the more modern Orthodox. We work well with the Beslan of America. We're not here to come against their agreement. If someone is okay with their agreement, that's, that's their prerogative. And it's not something that I'm not a place like I can't talk about that. But we're not here for that point. And we met the RCA, we explained to them, we're not here against their agreement that simply in our Haredi communities, we do not have something. And Rabbi Willig was very gracious and told me, he says, I don't really care, use your agreement, use my agreement, just use an agreement. What we found interesting is there are some Paiskim in their community that are using our agreement because it's actually a more broad agreement. And the RCA asked us if it's okay to send out a letter stating that they will adjudicate our agreement as well, which uh, they acknowledge that we exist, not only acknowledge they exist, that they are willing to go and work with our agreement. But putting that aside, in our communities, it is a challenge because the work prenuptial agreement is very much tied to the RCA agreement, number one, and number two, to the concept that everyone must sign an agreement. That was never our intention even if it would be something that's nice to happen in the future. But we realize that we are dealing with an uphill battle. We're not, we're not fools. I will tell you that when I started this, I didn't think we were going to get any Haskamas, let alone the Haskamas that we have. So that in itself, I believe, is a tremendous amount of siyat and the shmai that we had. Not us, obviously, but the gedolim that have put their time in. Simply, they realize and, and value what we have done. I mentioned Rabbi Isaac Goldbaum before. He actually spoke for us numerous times. And he said, you know, most people don't realize Iksuba is really a prenuptial agreement. It's just Iksuba. So we're used to signing Iksuba and we sign Iksuba. We say prenuptial agreement, they get scared. I would like to focus on one of the things Martin was saying, and that is that no one goes into a marriage saying, oh, we're going to get divorced. My child's going to go, my son or daughter or whatever is going to go off the derech. I can almost guarantee you if you go to just about any of these couples who have gone through divorce, they'll tell you when they went into that marriage, I mean, there are some that were rocky beforehand, but a large percentage will tell you 
that they went into the marriage thinking this is bliss and that's what that is the way it should be. A marriage should end. It should never end. It should be a great, wonderful life with people. So no one goes into the marriage saying, God forbid something is going to happen. We're coming here telling you and telling people in the community that unfortunately there is that percentage, whatever number that percentage is, it's certainly growing at every single person in our community knows somebody, whether it's in, it's in their extended family or beyond their shuls or whatnot. There are plenty of certainly shalom bias issues. There's plenty of divorce issues. And Baruch Hashem, there's plenty of good, health, happy, healthy marriages. And that's, you know, that's what we're looking to, to accomplish here. But unfortunately, when there is that percentage, that small percentage of someone who got into a situation that they need to get out, this is a life-saving situation. I, I really, you know, I'm passionate about it because I think people don't understand. It's not only that couple that's affected. There is what I call the collateral damage that people cannot put a dollar value on. And that is, I've had cases, I, I don't know what Hashem's uh, intent was, but we've had cases where parents have died during the process. There are siblings that sometimes go off the dirt. There's siblings that have other issues. It's not only the couple, it takes a, a enormous toll on the entire family. So it's something that, that we see as something is almost like I said before, it's a marriage insurance. It costs you nothing. It's protecting, believe me, if there's even a 2% chance, it's, it doesn't cost you anything. Why not protect that potential problem? And if you never need it, you're thrilled. Put it away like your life insurance policy and never use it. So that's just something that I think is important to get out. That that's part of our, our main focus and message. And I think to answer your question, I have to go back to it because I forgot what your question was, but I think it's important to understand that right now our main focus is to start out as at a bare minimum to have an agreement on any marriage as I call a higher risk or higher risk marriage. And I think that's an extremely important point to, to the world at large. And that's the message we're trying to get out. There are enough Rabbanim who deal with couples or therapists, whatever it is, prior to a marriage, where there are shaky issues prior to the marriage. That is a higher risk marriage. We have second marriages. That is a higher risk marriage. We have kids at risk. That is a higher risk marriage. We have families that are dysfunctional. The Rabbanim that are dealing with those families, they know the dysfunction. We have a large percentage of people who may be on some kind of medication or whatever it is prior to the marriage. All of those things make that marriage into a higher risk marriage. So if we could all agree that if it's a higher risk, let's at least protect those marriages, that certainly would be a great start. Again, that's a start. Obviously, our ultimate goal and, you know, which we, you know, we're not delusional, so we know it's years and years of making, is that every child at some point when they're at the marriage age would be signing both in the seminaries and the base medrash this and that it'd be put away. That's the ultimate goal right now, because it's a, such a new phenomenon, we're getting, we're trying, like Ellie said, the high risk. It was interesting at one of our meetings with Rabbanim to, to discuss it and to ask them to start using it. One of the Rabbanim who got up and was very vocal with questions came over at the end of the speech and said, I'm using yours. I've been using yours for years. So, you know, it's, it's, it just shows that when they're actually thinking about it or sitting with their own people in their show, this is something that's now coming up. 
how are you getting to these higher risk couples? Who's telling them about it? So the, the, the point is that it's not necessarily us. It's really getting the message out. And that's why we do podcasts like your own and trying to, uh, our best to get the message out. But the message really goes either through people in the community who know about it, but more often it's going out to the people who are meeting with these couples, whether they're Hassanim teachers, Kala teachers, Rabbonim, like Martin mentioned, we did several communities. We spoke to the Rabbonim of the communities, making them aware that this agreement exists. So the, as the message gets out to people, they know the agreement exists. They're dealing with that, a couple that is showing certain issues uh, prior to the marriage or whatever the high risk uh, you know, c- scenario is. So these Rabbanim are saying, this is something we have to bring to the other side's attention and let's protect that marriage. So this may be a little bit idealistic, but why not everybody? Because I would imagine in our community where couples are getting married so young um, and so quickly that it's probably very hard to spot a lot of those risks beforehand. You're, spe- you're preaching to the choir. We're on board. We, 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 you know, it, this came about from the years of going out. In other words, uh, I don't think the community is ready to go out. I don't think we have the community that will say no Rav can do a, a chuppah unless they'll sign a prenuptial, which other communities have done. So we have to go in steps or baby steps sometimes in our eyes right. in regard to getting it out there and become it becoming something a little bit more familiar. What would you say is the biggest challenge to getting to that point? It's definitely stigma. One of the things we hear often, and that's why I alluded to before, they say it's a bad omen to start the marriage with this type of concept. So that as Reverend Obama addressed that issue, he said, well, same thing as Aksuba. Aksuba is, people don't know what it says in Aksuba. He actually makes fun of the fact that people actually hang, hang their Aksuba in their living room. And he's saying, you know, like, if people even know what they wrote in that Aksuba, why would you hang it in their living room? But unfortunately, maybe that's that's part one is that people don't know what it says in the Ksuba, but really Ksuba is a prenuptial agreement telling you how you're going to take care of a spouse. So a stigma without a question is, is a piece of it. People like to have this thing in their mind saying, you know, this happens to somebody else. To me, it doesn't happen. You know, so anyone who, who's lived through divorce felt the same way. Unfortunately, they, they were hurt by an experience and they realized that you know, their, their life wasn't what they thought it was going to be. I, I think one of the other challenges is that most of the people, certainly in the yeshiva world, they deal with their Rosh Hashiva, and their Rosh Hashiva will decide if they will or won't go into this agreement. I think a lot of the Rashivas or Rabbanim may feel that my Talmidim may not need this agreement. You know, that's something that certainly has to change. I think the Litvishic community is very different than the Hasidic community. We've spoken to some Hasidic communities where in the Hasidic community, if the Rebbe says, this is what we do, this is what we do. As opposed to the Litvishic communities, well, my Rosh Hashiva is different than your Rosh Hashiva is different than the third Rosh Hashiva. And unfortunately, you know, we are dealing with a challenge in our communities today is guidance and saying that there's one person or, or you know, one group of people that we as a community follow. And if this community, if they feel that this is an important issue and they, you know, like I say, here we're talking about foremost price scheme of our, of our time. And they're saying, I spent the time, I spent hours and, and months working on this agreement because I really believe it's important. But at the same time, you know, the community at large is not ready to say, I need this. But it's, it's anything that's new in the community. We've had many different challenges over the last 
30, 40, 50 years, the world has changed dramatically. And every single situation, as it changed, it took time. One of the things we talk about is Do Yashar. A number of the, the professionals, I am not, I guess, a little younger than them, but they were involved with Do Yashar when it first came out. And they said that when Dari Sham first came out, there were a number of communities that stated, who are we to decide who should be marrying who? And it was a big stigma of using it. There were a number of communities that did not use it. It took them many years to crack in to what we have today. I don't believe there's anyone, more or less, that doesn't check Dari Sham before you, before you go out simply as, a, a, as something as a protection. So that's really, I think, the biggest challenge. Well, we, we, you know, two of the points we always, we got a lot, I think we mentioned or alluded to. One is when the couple is, is in, you know, getting married and in love. Now we're talking to them about divorce, which, you know, is an interesting way of looking at the prenup. And the other is we never did this before. I mean, again, change is necessary. I don't think they ever had the amount of divorces in terms of percentage of the community that they have today. I mean, I, from an observational point of view, I think the community has changed a lot over the last few years. I would imagine from when you started this, in terms of just being open to talking about things and in public forums, the things that you see in the magazines now, even a few years ago, that would have been totally not acceptable. So have you seen that like very subtle shift, at least in the willingness to be heard? So we definitely do see a shift in the sense that we have been featured in, in, in Mishpacha and Ami and other places. So it's not like they, they, they are scared to put these, you know, type of topics in the uh, papers. But, you know, the, the flip side is that there are the Rabbonim that are fighting this with Rabbonim, Rashivas and whatnot, who feel that what's going on in the papers today is terrible. And why bring these issues to, to people and, 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 you know, explain to them what the whole ills of society. And... You know, it's great if it doesn't happen in their communities, but unfortunately, I think it happens all over. But that's another challenge. You know, when, when the Rabbanim are talking so against it, it it's, it's almost like they're purposely fighting these issues because the papers are bringing them out there for. So let's flip the conversation a little bit because you're tackling something huge. And I, I can imagine that these are just the tip of the challenges that you've dealt with. But let's flip it and let's talk about some success stories because I'm sure you have. And I'm sure that you're making significant change. Anything specifically memorable that stick out? So I think I've actually missed the one right now where they did sign an agreement. We've worked on the Shalom Bias, myself, a Rav, a college teacher. We spent an enormous amount of time trying to keep this couple together. When it came to a point that we felt that they had to escalate it to another area, we just sent them to the Besden. There was really no, the Besden is dealing with this there was no choice that they had. They both went to a Besden. It happened to have been a second couple, a second time around for both of them. And each had a horrific experience the first time. And now they have a very simple process to deal with a, a divorce because it's in a healthy environment. It didn't blow up because we didn't need, you know, I, th I think one of the big challenges that happens in most cases, and, I, I, and most people don't believe this, but unfortunately you could ask, you could find out, it's like Martin alluded to before, when we're in love, we got married. You know, that's one of the things um, Charlie Arari actually spoke for us once. And he said, the reality is when you're in a healthy place and your brain is working, so we could agree on going to a specific place to adjudicate whatever issues we may have in the future. And then we put this agreement away. At the point that there is conflict, the brain shuts down, the emotions kick in, 
And because of that, we have two people or two sides that if you want to go to place A, I will never go to place A because you must be paying them off. And therefore, I'm only willing to go to place B. So very often, it's very hard to find that one person, as I mentioned before, I do a lot of mediation. If one person feels that the, or that the other side has some in with me, they will not sit down at the table. Even though I really try my best to be as fair as possible, even if I know somebody, I'm here to try to, to take two people and bring them to an agreement. So it's just the reality of what happens. And typically what happens in cases, and, I, and it's, it's very painful to even say this, but it's happened to me so many times when I get cases come to me where there are a Bonham or Asconum or community people, whoever it is that gets involved in the case, and they never heard the second side. And they go ahead and they cause such destruction because they heard a side and they, they just believe everything that person says and they will go ahead and go full blast against the other side and they cause a tremendous amount of destruction. And they're the ones, in my opinion, that are causing these cases to go from a small flame to a forest fire. So there's a, there's a lack of trust in the Rabbanim, there's a lack of trust in the community people, there's a lack of trust anywhere, and so many cases, like Martin was alluding to, end up going to court, which I don't believe happened years ago. So we have tons of cases, Martin says this all the time, I said, Thank, thankfully I don't show up in court often, but Martin says you could have uh, a million of uh, Litzvaks, Hasidim, Svaradim, you name it, Martin, everything you want in, in court on any given day. And that's what's going on in the court systems. The court system is not the place you want to be. People think that that's, you know, let's go to the courts and it's going to settle all my problems. There's many shortcomings in that in the court system as well. And what I explain to most people and couples that come to me is that at the end of the day, the vast majority, I think it's well over 90% of cases, will settle at some point with a mediator or someone helping them settle the case. There are very, very few cases that end up going to trial and going all the way. And I think that that's, that's something that people, if people realize the message we're trying to, to, to bring out. It's something that we could get you to a healthy place, but if you don't agree to some place beforehand, that's where all the problems come about. When you have a place to deal with it, you're not going to have all the flare-ups that are that have been in all the contentious cases that we have today. When is the best time for this? Is that when a couple is engaged? Yes. Well, one of the things, one of the items that we put in is that it's not to be signed. Some other prenups are signed at the chuppah or at the chassan's titch. In fact, I had a case years ago where nobody spoke to the chassan. And at the tea, on the way to the chuppah, the rabbi pulled out the, a prenup and said, you got to sign it. He didn't feel he had a choice. And I got a call during Sheva Brachis from a professor who says, you got to meet the couple. He says, he's not going to Sheva Brachis. Wow. And I brought them in and he said, it, it wasn't, he wasn't against the concept. He says, this was sprung on me. And the one who, who um, whoever executed it wouldn't even give him a copy. He says, it's for me to hold in my safe. Well, you know, when I wrote a letter, the copy came out. So I saw what it was. He wouldn't go back and participate. And, and the, the Kala, the wife, she came with him. And they both executed an agreement that it's null and void. And I explained to him that there are versions and, you know, to sit and talk about it. 
So ours is definitely says it's not valid. We, we tell you to speak to a Rav and speak to an attorney about it. One of the, you asked about success stories. One of our first, first prenups that were executed, there were no children involved. And because of the timing and the mandate on the Besden, the case was finished very, very quickly. And there is no question in my mind that case would have taken a long time because of who were guiding the others, you know, one side. So, you know, that's where this comes in. It's hard because the, the story that didn't happen is a hard sell, right? I think that's the, the story of preventing, preventing dramatic stories. If you tell somebody the case came and, and it was resolved in six weeks, people's eyes open up because yeah. I have cases now that are going on when the couple is married for six months and they're two and a half years still in Besden. So wow. you know, how does that make sense? So let's say we went to sleep in the morning, we woke up and we can say, theoretically, Yashar Coalition has fulfilled its mission. Describe to me what the world looks like in this dream scenario. A much better place. <laughs> uh, the, the reality is, the way I speak all the time, the Shalom Bayer is a Shalom divorce. Just do it for Shalom, however you want to do it. So obviously our, our goal is to get people to sign on to an agreement as it states in the agreement. If there's something to talk about Shalom Bias, the best and must deal with the Shalom Bias aspect first. We're not looking to break marriages. And I think it's an extremely important point. I think that like Rabbi David said from the beginning, if people would have a healthy place to deal with their conflict, there's a lot, there would be a lot more cases that would be dealt with properly and for potentially maintaining the Shalom Bias. Obviously you may need, you know, interventions, but you could get people to a healthy place and deal with that. And ultimately, to if there was a need for a divorce, like Martin is saying, it's insanity that the, a case that the people are married for six months should be dealing with two and a half years of fighting uh, as opposed to coming to an agreement. So the, the, the goal would certainly be that if we couldn't deal with this for whatever reason, they, 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 they can't be happily married. So let's get them to a divorce as quickly as possible. Obviously, there are issues that are legal issues, halachic issues that have to be dealt with, whether they're assets, whether they're children, however it is that they can deal with it. But like we said before, the concept is that 90 some odd percent of cases you're going to mediate. And, you know, there's a basic structure of divorce. This is not rocket science. You know, there's a basic structure of divorce, how we deal with the children, how we deal with visitation, how we deal with child support. There's a basic structure that could be worked on. There may be something that's more important to one side and something that's less important to the, that side and the other side feels it is important. That's negotiations to come to an agreement and potentially give up something to get something. But ultimately, you move people through the process. You stop ripping apart families like we're ripping them apart today. We stop hurting you know, the young couple, the, like I said, the collateral damage of whatever it is, move people on in life. We shouldn't be spending so much time as we are today of the Rabbanim and, and of other people that literally spend hours and hours each day with couples trying to get them to the table, trying to get them together, dealing with the just destruction of divorce. So if we can get them to a healthy place, that's, I think, my dream. You know, I, I think a point we should make, and we put in a lot into the agreement, and it's a point in the community that's very important, is that the right people get involved. I know Ellie alluded it to it, but especially with therapists, it should be licensed professional. We, we talk to them about referring to organizations to get a referral from the Besden because the Besden may not know. 
so many cases are in, are getting into these, you know, whichever forum they're in is because somebody, you know, spent a lot of time with an unlicensed therapist. And unfortunately, Rabbanim also need to have a sort of, you know, training or understanding. Not everybody, a lot of times I've had cases where people came into me that I saw I could have helped them. I could have sent them to somebody, but it was too far gone. I'll tell, I'll end with one story. I had a case that was heavily litigated and we were getting up to the place where we were having a custody evaluations, and the mother wouldn't allow her attorney to talk to me to settle the case, let alone, you know, try. She realized during the proceeding that custody is not going to be such an easy thing for her. And all of a sudden, I got a call. It was around Pesach time. I got a call from her. And she said to me, she called me. I said, I'm not allowed to talk to you. I have an attorney. I fired that attorney. So I said, okay, so tell me who your new attorney is. And no, I'm not hiring. I said, well, then you're going to write to me and say that you're representing yourself. She did. I said, so why are you calling me? Because I want you to pick the therapist. I want to try. And I did. I picked somebody who they're both personalities and, you know, it's a number of years later and they're still married. That could have started a lot earlier had there not been whoever was involved getting the, to this stage. From your perspective, is there something our community should be doing differently that there's not so much of a need for this? Or is this just natural part of having a lot of marriages and just something that has to be dealt with? I think uh, premarital therapy is something we all need to promote. I think people, young couples are not ready for the situation. Some are, obviously. And what comes up and life difficulties, this is a very different world than our parents lived in on many fronts. And I think that that's something that we should all, you know, be promoting. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with Mon. I think we, we don't need much to realize that today's world is a totally different world with the internet, with other ills of society with things that I've been uh, in the last bunch of years become normal things that, uh, you know, we don't have to speak about specifics, but I think everyone knows what we're talking about. The, the world at large has accepted things that are just hideous, if nothing else. And if we think that it's not affecting our community, it certainly is. To just talk about one other point, this is not for this conversation, that's my next podcast with you. I am working on and actually have a marriage education course that is not for troubled couples. It's for couples after marriage, just to help good couples become great couples without a question that is a tremendous need in our communities. There's so much, we just don't have time. Let's face it, most of us in my generation, we had the one working parent and the other parent was taking care of the home. Today, parents are all working. We have an, a tremendously expensive cost of living in our communities between the summer, the whole year, camps, bungalow colonies, you name it. Uh, we have uh, we used to have two Chalamoids a year. Today we have Chalamoid midwinter vacation, Hanukkah, et cetera. So people are busy traveling and the Joneses are doing all kinds of things. So we have to do the same thing. So the cost of living is exorbitant. Our, our parents are, are basically running houses, but at the same time running jobs. And it has a huge effect on it. So because of that, you know, we have to, we have to change to, to realize this is the society today. So because of that, uh, you know, there are many things that didn't happen years ago that are, that are coming to fore today and we have to deal with those things. So that's why we put together this curriculum to help that out. 
But like I said, that's a different topic and a different agenda. Different topic, but also very important. I mean, that happens to be something I've thought about recently is our community is so good at crisis and tragedy. And there's a GoFundMe within two hours when something happens. But when you talk to people about, well, we could have probably prevented this from happening in the first place. Everyone kind of like, sounds nice, but not for me. Come back to me with the GoFundMe link. And it's terrible because at that point, you know, whatever we can help those families you know this better than anyone. They're living with it for the rest of their lives. So, right. you know. Couldn't agree with you more. And that's why we're putting the effort into what we've done. But even that has its challenges. People, like you said, are just too busy. It's, we're dealing with the same people that are involved with the crisis are the ones that are potentially involved to help out the situations. And they're just so, they're swamped with, they don't have time in the day. And I can't blame anybody. A lot of these people are working without getting, you know, they're not getting paid for their time. And there's only X amount of hours in the day. So unfortunately, the crisis takes the time. And every time yeah. there's a crisis, takes an enormous amount of time to settle. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that so much. I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. If somebody wants to either get involved or thinks that they need your help or anything along those lines, how can they reach you? So the best place to reach us, well, we have a website that has the agreements on the website. It has all the Ascomas on the website. It has... Q&As, it has, uh, it'll help people understand the highlights of the agreement, the benefits of the agreement. That our website is yasharacoalition.org. That's Y-A-S-H-A-R, coalition.org. Or you could actually do yasharinitiative.org. It's either or. Our phone number is 718-943-4500. We're here to help people. That's the focus of our organization. And anything that we could do, we are here to help Claudius roll and try to make it a better place. Thank you so much. So before we sign off, if you can give us one sentence, and I'll let you each have one sentence, the main takeaway that you'd like someone listening to this to really walk away from this episode, what would that be? I think the main point is, as far as I'm concerned, that there's, there's, there is a changing world. We have to realize that. and We have to realize that there are people and there are protections in place to help you out. And even though you may not understand it now, and hopefully you don't, take it from the professionals that have put in all this time on their own dollar to make this happen, to realize that this is a tremendously valuable tool that hopefully you'll never need. But if you're from that small percentage that does need it, this will be a lifesaver and it's a guarantee. Now, I would add that if as parents, if you care for your children, you'll discuss it before they get married. That's really important. Thank you so much. Thank you both for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you for having us on. And thanks, Tisco and Mitzvah, and keep doing good things. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Change the World podcast. If you have any feedback or an idea for my next episode, or if you're a nonprofit leader interested in learning more about how 14 Minds can help your nonprofit, I'd love to hear from you. Just send an email to tsivia at 14minds.com. For more nonprofit content, follow me on LinkedIn or visit 14minds.com.